All right. Good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day. How many of you know at Joy Church, it's our mission. We want to equip you, right, to just do the best you can. And so all the dads, we wanted to give you that instructional video and really show you how. How many like pro-level dads do we have here, though? You know all those, those holds, right? My favorite doing it as a kid was just the ones that freaked my wife out, you know, like the one foot. You know what I mean? And I remember one time as a, uh, as a new father, my daughter, Evie, was like probably... I don't know, eight, 10 months. I don't even remember. So please don't, nobody like turn me into the, the child protective services or something, but I would throw her up in the air. You guys know what I'm talking about? As a dad, you do this, right? You throw your kid up in the air. And of course, men are always in a competition with no one, just themselves. So I kept throwing her a little bit higher, a little bit higher, right? Well, she's getting older and older. And so pretty soon she started to develop those back and leg muscles where she could curl her legs, you know? So I tossed her up in the air one time and I think I was in a restaurant. I tossed her up in the air, and she curled her legs, and so she started going over my head. And so I caught her, woof, and got, had her like this, just about broke my back and barely got her and never did it again. <laughs> because I love my kids. <laughs> Until the next time I did it. <laughs> Amen. Wow, good to be here on Father's Day. How many of you are doing good today? Did you get some cold brew? Yeah, and cold brew. I know some of you were like, cold brew? I thought we didn't do that in church. It's coffee, you guys. Come on, it's coffee. One time somebody saw our ad for cold brew. They were like, are you seriously serving cold brews at church? And I'm like, listen, you Pharisee. No, I'm kidding. I said, it's coffee. We're going to have fun. We're celebrating dads today. What a great day to celebrate fathers. And if you're a father here today, don't, don't raise your hand or anything. We, we recognize you by your fanny pack and your sneakers. So we know who you are, and we're just happy you're here. And I'm a dad too. I, I told somebody today, I'm like, I get razzed by... Kyle, about how I dress sometimes with my dad's sneakers and socks and stuff like that. And I just, I told this person, I'm like, at this point in my life, I don't care. I just want to survive the day, right? Like if I'm actually wearing pants, that's a good thing. Come on, dad's you with me, right? Because we're just trying to get through life. So anyways, I'm excited about Father's Day. We're, we're uh, going to have a great day. I believe God's put a, a really significant word uh, in my heart to deliver to you today. But before we, we do that, I wanted to just celebrate dads a little bit. And so I've actually put together this awards uh, for dads, the Dad Awards. Um, if you actually own pants like this, I'll give you five bucks after the service. Well, no, I won't. I don't have $5. I, I just carry credit cards. But we're going to go through the Dad Awards. All right, next, let's look at some of these Dad Awards. Best dressed. How many of you know if you can rock dress shoes and socks like that and shorts, you're a dad. Jeff, I could see you doing that. Huh? Oh, yeah, you're not quite there. And those are the sneakers. How many of you actually own these sneakers? I, yeah, there we go. Awesome. You're, you're dadding at a next level. Okay, next award. Let's see. The most generous. Joy Church does not condone nor stand behind anything uh, seen here today. Let's go to the next one. This is what I call the Never Leave You Nor Forsake You Award. You just need to drink that in right there. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending stalker love of dad. <laughs> never leave you. Art West, somebody said. <laughs> what if that actually was you? That would be incredible. That would be, am yeah, that was your other family. That's your family in Utah. Is that right? Is that what we're talking about? Okay. Anyways, uh, I think, I love this dad, like he's, he's really there, he's watching over his family, he's also watching over all of us, whether we want him to or not. All right, moving on. 
Uh, most encouraging. How many of you know that it's a dad's job to encourage their children forward in life? Come on, right? I love his face. He doesn't even look nice. He's like, get in there, you know? All right, next. Dr. Dad. I love it. This, remi- <laughs> this reminds me, this reminds me of, of stuff I would do, I like to do. The other day, my kids were in the pool, and uh, they, they were uh, covered in grass. You know, they, come, they had a pool in the yard. They come over covered in grass, and I'm like, I don't want you in the house, you know, tracking all this stuff in. So I decided I know how to deal with this, and I got the blower, and I plugged it in, and I, I blowed them, you know what I mean, with the, <laughs> the blower. <laughs> and they were like, this is the best day of our life. You know, every, everything was flapping and moving, and they were dry, no grass. Dr. Dad. All right, moving on to the next one. Most resourceful. <laughs> Come on, dads, we don't waste food, right? I mean, you hear what I'm talking about? I love this. He's just like, he's figuring it out in the moment, right? Like, what do I, oh, I still have an appendage I could use to deal with this situation. <laughs> and I want to know who the person taking the picture is and what they, you know what I mean? They're like, we're going to, yeah, this is, a, anyway, let's move on. Most resourceful dad. And this is the runner-up for most protective. Stay clear, boys. This is my dad. Now, I don't know if you can see this, that guy there, but that's actually what I look like with my shirt off, too. Um, just in case you were wondering, and you shouldn't be. But anyways... Stay clear, boys. But that's not, this isn't the winner of the most protective dad. I'm going to show you this guy right now. Go ahead and put, put that video on. Hi. Okay, how many of you want the link to that? Post it on our uh, Facebook page. You're not going to get a boyfriend. You're going to work for Jesus. That is, that is straight up dad goals. Hashtag dad goals right there. Come on. That's what I tell my daughters. You know, I tell them, hey, I, I'm fine with them getting a boyfriend. As soon as you turn 50, it's fine. Just feel free. Go right on ahead and have a boyfriend. Well, we're going to jump in today and uh, talk about how to dad. And as I said, I want to share uh, an encouraging message with you. But I don't know where you come from. I know for, for a lot of people, Father's Day, some, some of us, you know, I had a great dad. It's a good day. I can celebrate my dad. He's a wonderful father, was not abusive. He was there for me. But I know for so many other people, you either had a dad that was really not great in your life, uh, maybe actually hurt you, did some things to you, or was simply not there. And unfortunately, that story is told all the time, isn't it? And so I know for all of us, whatever background you're coming to, that no, even if you had a perfect father, even though my dad was great, there's, there's some things in life that actually cause wounds. You know what I'm talking about? The father wound. And here's the good news that I have for you today. No matter where you come from with a good father figure, bad father figure, or somewhere in between, every one of us has an opportunity to come to know Father God, who ultimately is the perfect expression and the perfect father for each and every one of us. 
And so I believe today that whatever you're coming from, whether a good situation with your father, a bad situation with your father, and then wherever you as a man, as a father, find yourself in your journey of being a, of being a dad or a father figure, that God is going to speak to you today. I believe God's going to heal some hearts today. I believe God is going to do some really powerful things in people's lives. And so we're going to jump in right now and get into the word. Uh, God is really the ultimate father. And there's a story that, that takes place in the life of his son, Jesus, that to me speaks to the, just the incredible uh, perfection of God's fatherhood. Now, like I said, I have an awesome dad, and I remember seeing my dad just go full beast mode. So cool. How many of you know when you're a kid, you do like the my daddy wards, my, or my daddy fights, like my daddy can beat up your daddy, right? And when you're like a seven-year-old boy, it doesn't matter how godly or smart your father is. It's about how strong is my dad, right? We just care about feats of physical strength. I remember watching my dad. He's a pastor, right? So he's supposed to be a gentle shepherd. He's more like a German shepherd, though. <laughs> and uh, I remember watching my dad at the side of a pool one time, and he's just standing there. And, and I don't, you have to just understand my dad, okay? He has these shorts on, probably short shorts, because this is probably the 80s or early 90s. And my dad always wore these, like, really short shorts. In fact, one time he was in New York, and he had these really tight white shorts, and he was with his buddy, Danny Bonilla, and, and they were walking through New York, and people wouldn't like look at him and Danny Bonilla told my dad, they think you're a cop, you know? So he had this whole vibe going on. But if you've ever seen my dad, you ever get a chance to see his calves, right? They are the, the, the craziest, strongest, most powerful calves ever. Like power companies try to hire my dad to come and generate power for the entire Western seaboard. Like his calves are so powerful. They're like semi-truck pistons or something. It's amazing. And I once saw my dad standing by a pool, minding his own business, and some of his parishioners, some of his guys in his church, they decided they were going to get him off the side of the pool into the water, right? Because as guys, sometimes we just decide it's time for somebody to get in the water. Are you, you know what I'm talking about? And I watched my dad. This one guy comes up, and he kind of grabs him from behind. And my dad's like, oh, you know, and he just sort of looks like Samson or Hercules or whatever. He just kind of tossed this guy off like he was nothing. So here I am as an eight-year-old kid, like, watching my dad turn into a superhero. He throws this guy off like he's nothing. So then another guy jumps and Now two guys are on him. Boom, tosses him off. Third guy, fourth guy, fifth guy. They moved him maybe an inch towards the pool. And I think two or three of them got in the water. A bunch of them had you know, broken bones and all kinds of stuff. It was just a, a straight up carnage. Again, my dad's a pastor, right? So it's pretty funny to watch him just tossing men off left and right. And I was in awe of my dad. Like this is the ultimate dad. So cool. But, you know, even as cool as that is to, to say my daddy can beat up your daddy, for me it's true, he can. Uh, and if you saw his calves, you'd know why. Uh, but even to say that, there's no comparison to the ultimate father to God. And there's this account that takes place in Mark chapter 1 that we're going to look into where God shows up as a father for his son Jesus. It says in Mark chapter 1 verse 9, at that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. And I want you to listen to this today because we're going to spend all of our time on these words. And I believe that we're going we're to hear about how to be a dad. But we're also going to hear the voice of dad speak to us. This is what God said to Jesus. He said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. You are my son, whom I love. With you, 
I am well pleased. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to us through your word. God, even as we celebrate Father's Day and have a great time making uh, jokes about dads and just enjoying this whole day, I pray, Lord, that you would show up, that God, you would come in this place, you would impact hearts, impact lives. I pray that every one of us would walk away knowing you as our Father in a more intimate way, knowing you as our Father in a more real way, that God, the lies maybe that we believe about you would be torn down and replaced with truth. And that God, I pray for every father in this place today, that you would strengthen them, that you would encourage them, that Lord, you would even as you example what it looks like and show us what it looks like to be a father, that Lord, every one of us as fathers, every man in this place would take a little bit of your heart away, that insecurity would fall away and we would know this is what it looks like to be a dad. In Jesus' name, amen. To set a little bit of the context here, in Mark chapter 1. This is the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. Now, I know there's a few stories about Jesus that come from when he, you know, baby Jesus and the Christmas story. And then we see Jesus when he's 12 years old and he's in the temple. But then we have what we call the dark years. There's this gap between Jesus' 12th, you know, his 12th year and his 30th year. 18 years of his life are basically unknown and obscure. And we don't really know what's going on, but we do know that Jesus is growing in wisdom and stature. We know that he's he has his earthly father, Joseph. Joseph is a carpenter. Uh, Jesus has brothers and sisters. He has a mom, Mary, and, and Jesus is, is living this life. So he doesn't actually start his earthly ministry until he's 30 years old. So everything that you know about Jesus, whether you're like a church person and you, under, you like heard all the stories or you just walked in here today and this is your first time, but everything you've ever heard about Jesus takes place really in this three and a half year period between the ages of 30 and 33 when he's crucified. So all the amazing world-changing things that Jesus does takes place in this very short period of time. But I want us to try to grab hold of the humanity and the, 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 the psyche, the, the soul of Jesus, just as a man who's 30 years old and he hasn't really done anything significant yet up to this point, okay? And I want you to try to put yourself in his shoes. And now he comes to his cousin, John, who, who's John the Baptist, right? He's the guy that wears the camel skin uh, inside out and eats bugs. You know, he's kind of like some of you nature lover fathers who like to go camping. I told somebody today, like camping to me is just work, you know? People are like, I'm going on vacation. What are you doing? Camping. No, you're just, that's working. Just without a, t- a working toilet or electricity. I mean, it's just, <clears throat> anyways. John the Baptist lives out in the wilderness and he's preaching the kingdom of God. He's calling people to repent. He's baptizing people. That might be why he's called John the Baptist. And, he, and, and so he's baptizing people and Jesus comes to him and Jesus is going to begin his earthly ministry. He's going to go and call his disciples. Jesus is going to go and begin to preach the kingdom. Jesus is going to now become the Jesus that we know, okay? But up to this point, that's not what's going on. That, that he's not this known figure. But I want you to go back into his life because Jesus actually understands just what it's like to be a human being and walk through everything. In fact, the scriptures tell us that he was tempted as as we are in all things. He knows what it's like to go through temptation, but he didn't sin. He knows what it's like to experience rejection. If you understand the, the whole story about Jesus, that he was actually born of a virgin. So the whole Christmas story Uh, As ludicrous as that might sound to us in this day and age, I want you to imagine how that sounded in their day and age. And so they were like, yeah, right, you're born of a virgin. Sure, you're the son of God. I don't think so. You're actually illegitimate. And so Jesus was called a bastard. Come on. He was criticized. Now imagine he's this upbringing and now he's going to step into who he really is. And I know, why am I talking this way? You're like, man, you're acting like Jesus is just a normal guy. Well, Jesus was a normal guy. He was also the son of God. 
So there's a mystery that he's 100% divine, but he's also 100% human because he had to walk in our shoes and experience everything. Now, he never sinned, right? But Jesus experienced human emotion. He experienced temptation. He experienced rejection. He felt it. He tasted it. He knows what it was like. And, and Jesus is 30 years old here, and he's about ready to step into the fullness, fullness of his destiny. And this is one of those momentous occasions. This is where he's baptized. This is where he's going to now be sort of commissioned into what he's going to do. And you know what I love about this story, about what happens here? Is that it says Jesus is coming just as Jesus was coming up out of the water. He saw heaven. He saw, he saw heaven being torn open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And he heard the voice that said, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Dads, let me just say one of the things God gets right in this moment as a father is that he shows up when it matters. Do you want to know one of the greatest gifts, one of the most powerful impacting things you can do as a father? Be there. Be present. You see, dads, I don't know about you, you but I, like, I'm completely imperfect. My kids love me. They adore me. I mean, my kids were coming up to me today. I, I'd gone and got some coffee. I came back in the door and they're like, dad, happy Father's Day, jumping on me. Like literally my heart about exploded with joy and love. My kids love me. They adore me. They're like, dad, we got you these Nikes. I'm like, praise Jesus. You know, they, got, they gave me this beautiful picture. Uh, I have these wonderful kids who adore me, but you know what? They don't love me because I'm perfect. They don't love me because I'm always 100% nice to them or I always pay attention or I always do everything right. In fact, I, I mess up as a father more than I get it right. But do you want to know something? Do you want to know an overpowering factor is that I'm there. My kids have a father in their life. They see me kiss this beautiful woman in the, over here on the right, my wife, Bethany, just in case anybody was wondering who I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not this guy. That's Kyle. That's a man right there. I'm not you know, kissing on him. It, it's her. They, my kids see me come in and kiss their mom. They, they, they see me show up and I smell weird and I'm hairy. I have hair on my back. I'm like, what's going on? You know, things are wrong. Come on, guys. Come on. Don't leave me hanging there. Back hair for the win, you know. I'm just a regular guy. I mess up, but I'm there for my kids. Dads, you're present. You're present. God showed up. I want you to think about Jesus and the insecurity. You're a bastard. You're, you're illegitimate. He heard those words. And he's going to come to this moment. And maybe in your life, I know there's two types. Maybe there's a moment you remember when you get into the varsity team, guys, and you're there and you look up in the stands and He's either there or he's not there. Maybe you're a young woman and it's prom and he's either there or he's not there. But I just want to tell you right now, your father's always been there because God, the ultimate father, always shows up, whether the earthly dad gets it right or not. But if we want to be like our heavenly father, dads, can I just tell you, it's so powerful, just be there, show up. Be your kid's biggest fan. Come on, son, you got it. Tackle them, you know. I remember my dad, I played uh, soccer, rec league soccer. My dad was my coach, Kelly Finley's dad, Kelly in here. Kelly's dad, Jim, was also my coach. So we had, we had two pastors that were coaching us. And my dad was, again, the German shepherd. Kelly's dad was the gentle shepherd. Jim would, like, teach us soccer. My dad would yell at us. You know, it was a perfect <laughs> blend of what you need in, 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 in sports, right? You need, like, here, here's how you actually kick a ball. And then the guy that's like, get out there and rip people's throats out. That was my dad. Anyways, <clears throat> he was kicked out of like a 12-year-old soccer game. 
for arguing with the referees, you know, and uh, pretty awesome. But I remember my dad being there, his, his presence. Come on, do you know how powerful it is for a dad to be there, just to be there? Listen, if you're a young man in here today and you're, you're not married, you're not a father, I'm, I'm talking to you. Don't, don't tune me out. Be there. Come on, invest yourself in some kids. Love, love not just your children, but be there. Dads, maybe you have your own natural kids, but you can be a spiritual father to others. You can show up. You can be present. Just be there. God shows up. It's powerful. It's half the battle right there. Your presence makes all the difference. But then God does this amazing thing. He speaks to Jesus and he says three incredible things, life-changing things. God speaks to Jesus three words, a word of identity, a word of affection, and a word of affirmation. He says, you are my son, or this is my son. My goodness, I can't get enough of this. I love the fact that God, even for you today, maybe your father wasn't there for you, but he's putting his hand on your head and he's saying, you are mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. Can I tell you what makes us bad fathers? It's insecurity. Come on, it's that hurt and pain. And we, we don't know how to love our kids. We don't know how to, to speak to them. Do you know how powerful it is if you knew that God is putting his hand on you and claiming you as his own? You're mine. You belong to me. You're my son. You're my daughter. Dads, listen to me today. You need to know that God himself is your father. Whatever your earthly father was like or how good or bad he was or wherever in the middle, God himself is putting his hand on you saying, you're my son. One of the things I do with my son, Jack, and my girls, but I, I mostly do it with Jack, is sometimes, and I know some of you have heard me say this before, but sometimes at night or just different times, Jack will be laying in his bed, and I'll come and I'll put my, not like in the middle of the night, that'd be scary, but like, you know, when he's going to bed. It's like two in the morning, like, ah! <laughs> but when Jack's going to sleep, I'll put my hand on his chest, and I'll push him down into the mattress really hard, like, Jack! And I'll say, he's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're my son. You're my son. And he's like, yeah. You're my son. Why? Because I want him to know I identify with you. You are you're mine. Like we're you and me are like we're like this. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about? There's something about saying we're we're we're, we're connected. Now listen, maybe you're here today and you're like, oh man, people don't want to associate with me because I've been I, I was the girl that was was sleeping around. I, I was the guy that was dealing drugs. I was the person that was angry and rebellious. I was this person. But you need to understand something powerful about when you're in Christ, God is putting his hand on you. Come on, right now. And he's saying, I identify with you. You are mine. You get to wear my name. You get to be part of my family. You are my son. And that's what God is doing to Jesus. And imagine the powerful, the powerful moment of identity that's taking place right here. And I, I just want you to know right now that by the Holy Spirit of God, he's putting his hand on you and he's, he's saying, you know what? You belong to me. Come on, you're not rejected. You're not that woman of, of questionable morals. You're not that guy of questionable morals. You're mine. You belong to me. And God wants to associate with you. How cool is that? That when, when the accuser comes, when the enemy comes or other people come and say, yeah, but I know that person. And don't you know their past? And God says, yeah, I know their past, but I also know their future. Come on, and there's a better and a brighter future, and they belong to me. So you want to get to them? You're going to have to come through me. Come on, God puts his identity on your life. I'm preaching better than you guys are amening today. I'm just going to tell you that right now. God associates with you. God puts his name on your life. In Romans chapter 8, the apostle Paul tells us that the Spirit of God comes into our heart, and we can cry out, Abba, Father, he's adopted us. Come on, we're part of the family of God. 
puts his name. You're my son. He speaks a word of identity. Number two, God says, whom I love. Do you know how powerful love is? I know as, as men, as dads, a lot of times we want to act like, no, I'm not crying. My, my eyes are leaking. Uh, I have allergies. My, I'm allergic to my emotions. <laughs> you know? and, and we don't necessarily like to say the words, I love you, because maybe we didn't have a father figure in our life that was able to look us in the eye and say, hey, son, I love you because it's, oh, love is girly and all that kind of stuff, right? And I got to be tough and strong and act like I'm made of steel or whatever it is. But God had absolutely no problem publicly to say over his son, I love you. This is my son whom I love. And these are distinct propositions, aren't they? God is not just saying, well, you should assume that because you're my son that I love you. Well, yeah, yeah, I gave you my name, my identity, so you should just know that I love you. No, God publicly declares, this is my son whom I love. Do you know love has the power to direct destiny? Yesterday, or I'm sorry, Friday, I was at my, my grandmother June's memorial service, and my grandma was 87 years old, and she was a, a beautiful woman, uh, just an incredible woman of God, and um, got to say goodbye to my grandma in that at service. And, and it was sad, obviously, saying goodbye to somebody that you love. But you know what was so amazing is just everyone talking about how she loved so, so well encouraged so well. My grandpa, he didn't get that. I'd step over him. He'd cuss at me, you know, and he's smoking a pipe, but he was pretty awesome. But for different reasons, he wasn't very loving. But my, uh, <laughs> but my grandma was, a, 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 she loved very well. And everybody was celebrating that fact. And I told Bethany this a couple weeks ago, I was able to be with my grandma June and I sat by her bedside and she was dying of cancer. And uh, she was just about cussing the nurse out because the nurse was like, you have to take this treatment, June. And she's like, my favorite grandson's here. And I'm <laughs> ripping it out of her mouth. And, and I was looking in her beautiful blue eyes and we're just loving on each other and talking to each other. And I, I came out of that moment and I told Bethany, I said, you know, I just realized something that, that so much of my confidence and security as a person comes from the fact that my family always said, I love you, believe in you, Jake, you can do it. And my grandma, even in, as she's dying of cancer, she's like saying, Jake, you know, God's doing such wonderful things in your life. And I'm just so excited to see all these things. And like, at some point, it just seeped into me and love directed my destiny. And dads, I'm just here to tell you right now that when you will tell your kid, I love you, when you speak to your wife and you say, I love you, those words have power and significance to direct destiny because the absence of love can direct destiny in a negative way, can't it? How many of you would say in personal experience, you don't have to raise your hand, but that the absence of love or hurt and pain it directs our destiny in a, down a bad path. When there wasn't a dad there, when there wasn't that voice of love, when there wasn't that affirmation in your life, it can push you to do things you know you shouldn't do. It can direct you to do things and go places you shouldn't go. But love can keep you on the right track, can't it? You see, we believe a wrong thought about God. We believe a wrong thing about God. We think that God holds us accountable and he's always sort of mildly disapproving and he's kind of like, well, this is what's right and this is what's wrong and you better get it right or I'm gonna slap you. And we have this wrong perspective of God. God loves you so much, you can't even fathom it. The biblical writers, they don't even have really the words to convey how great God's love is. The apostle Paul says, how can we even fathom the love of God? It's like higher than mountains, it's deeper than the sea, come on. 
How do you fathom the love of God? It's so great for you. We sang that song today. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down. It fights till I'm found. He leaves the 99. He pursues you. Do you know the love of God today? I I believe the Lord wants to speak to you in a powerful way on Father's Day. You're going to hear from your father right in this moment. You are my son or you are my daughter and I love you. And God wants to speak that better word over your life today because maybe a lot of people have said, I don't love you. I've rejected you. I don't associate with you, but God right now says you're mine. You're my son or my daughter and I love you. God loves us so much. God loves us so much. A couple weeks ago in the forgiveness message, I talked about how God loves us so much that his stomach hurts. You remember that? In the, in the scriptures when it says Jesus was moved with compassion, it always is speaking of this gut-wrenching kind of love, this gut-wrenching kind of compassion. And, I, and, I, and it's exactly how I feel about my kids. When, when my daughter a couple weeks ago, and I won't tell you this story today. I keep teasing this story. Someday I will tell it, but I actually lost her for about 30 or 40 minutes. True story. And uh, at my own house. Yeah. <laughs> so for the win, dads, you know, and uh, I was out in the street and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. And I was about ready to throw up for two hours after we found her because that's my daughter. The thought that she was taken, that she was missing, that she was not safe. The love that I had is this agonizing thing made my stomach hurt because of the depth of love. And do you know God loves you so much that his stomach hurts? And I know you don't believe me 100% today because the enemy's whispering in your ear, yeah, but you've done bad things. Yeah, but, you, but, but if, if, if the preacher that's talking to you right now only knew what you had done and where you have been, well, I just want you to make a decision in faith to believe the word of God, that God, these words he spoke over Jesus, he's speaking them over you right now. Right now, you are my son. You are my daughter, whom I love. Dads, we can speak that word of affection, and it's so powerful. And number three, God says over his son, with you I am well-pleased, well-pleased. God speaks a word of affirmation. Do you know God isn't sitting there in heaven, writing your sins down, keeping track, and always mildly disappointed in you? Isn't that how a lot of people think of God? That we think of God as kind of like this person, you know, he's sitting up there in heaven and he sees everything that's going on. And he's like, ah, you're disappointment, disappointment, disappointment. Ooh, you're really disappointing me right now. That is not good. <laughs> Nobody figured that out one before, but you figured that out. That's not good. No, God's not doing that. God came to Jesus and Jesus hasn't done anything yet. Think about that. He's 30 years old. He hasn't done anything yet. Now, he has done things. He's been maturing and growing and learning and all this kind of stuff. But we, his ministry has not started. His, his true calling has not even gone into action. He doesn't have any disciples. Jesus hasn't multiplied any bread and fishes. He hasn't walked on water. Unless you see that far side thing where, you know, have you seen that when Mary tries to put Jesus in the bath? <laughs> He's just hitting the top. <laughs> but Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He's 30 years old and God shows up and he says, hey, not based on your performance, based on your identity and my affection for you, I affirm you. I am well pleased with you. Did you know that God does not, he doesn't view you through the lens of your performance? See, we we tend to try to put thoughts and words into God's mind and into God's mouth that aren't there. And there's a lot of religious people that are happy to do that for you as well if you you want. (laughs) 
But I would encourage you to let God speak for himself and let God love you the way that he wants to love you and affirm you in the way that he wants to affirm you. And before Jesus has done anything significant, before Jesus has gone to the cross, before Jesus has become everything that he becomes and everything that he is, before he's fully realized and grasped his full destiny, God affirms him. His father comes and says, I'm well pleased with you. And just as love directs destiny, as affection directs destiny, doesn't affirmation also direct destiny? You know, that, that what you feed, what you feed will grow. Come on, what you will nurture will develop. Bethany and I have a garden and I'm putting myself in here only because I'm the one talking because she's the one that does it. But she spends time and she nurtures the plants, the zucchini, the tomatillos, the tomatoes, all the good stuff. And she feeds it, she nurtures it, she waters it, she gets to make sure it has the light. She's always out there doing things I don't understand. It's like garden witchcraft, but she's doing it out there, you know? She's always out there, la, 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 la. No, I'm just kidding, she doesn't do that. But she's out there nurturing and pouring attention and affection. And I watch my wife with our children and, and what I do with my children, I we feed the good. We nurture the good. We affirm that which we want to see grow. Come on, dads, you know that if you will affirm your children, even before they do the good things, but you will affirm them. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm pleased with you. When my kids do the right thing, even before they do the right thing, I speak good words over them. I say, I'm pleased with you. I'll, I, my daughter, Evie, you know, we're, we're in the battle. She's six years old and she's figuring out that the, the universe doesn't revolve around her, you know, and, and I'm figuring that out too, right? Still. The other day I walked in and, and uh, she was sitting down and I put my hand on her head and I just said, hey, Evie, guess what? What? I'm so stinking proud of you. Why? Because just because of who you are. Really? Yes. I'm so pleased with you. I love everything about you. I love your brown hair and I love your blue eyes. You're so beautiful. Listen, daughters, maybe your father didn't say that to you, but he is right now. God is speaking to you and he's putting his hand on your head and said, I'm well pleased with you. Yeah, but dad, I did all these things. Oh no, that's not, I could take care of that. Jesus died for those things, but I'm well pleased with you. Come on, sons, your father in heaven is putting his hand on your head and saying, son, he actually gives you a chest punch because that's cooler for sons. You're, you belong to me. You're my son. You carry my name. I'm, I'm proud of you. I watched my daughter's eyes light up because she knows I'm well pleased with her. It doesn't mean I don't discipline her. It doesn't mean the next day I'm not going to be yelling at her. Hey, what are you doing? My dad was always riding my tail, if you know what I'm talking about. But he always told me, I'm pleased with you. There was pride and affirmation in his words. You want to learn how to, to make a difference in somebody's life? Don't pull out everything that's wrong with them. Begin to highlight and nurture and encourage that which is good. I'm well pleased. I'm well pleased. God made you on purpose and for a purpose. You need to know that the devil, he's in the Old Testament, he's Satan, right? That, that term comes out and it's this word Satan and it means an adversary. It's a prosecuting attorney. He's the accuser. And he comes and he says, this is what's wrong with you. And these are all the bad things you've done. And Satan is your adversary, but he's also God's adversary. And he's not equal to God in any way, shape, or form. Come on, Satan is a punk. Hello, somebody. But that's what Satan does. He comes and brings an accusation, not affirmation, accusation. He tells you what's wrong with you, but God comes and says, let me tell you what's right with you. 
Jesus died to get the sin out, to, to, to set you free, to redeem you. Come on. But he's not there to, he's not there to just to let you know to sink in all the things and make you rub your nose in all the things that you've done. He's coming to affirm you. And so let me just tell you right now, today what we're going to do as I pray for you and we close this message is we're going to tell the accuser to take a hike. Come on, we're going to tell the voice of condemnation. We're going to tell the voice of rejection. The enemy wants to come and, and rehearse and rehash all of your mistakes and all of your failures. But God comes to you today and says three things over your life. He says, you are my child in whom I love. I love you and whom I am well pleased. Come on, can you get excited about that this morning? God speaks those three words over you. We can speak those words as fathers and as mothers over our children. Come on, we can speak those words to each other. God the Father shows up at this moment in Jesus' life and he sets him loose on a destiny that would change everything, not just about history, but literally everything. How powerful can a father's voice, can a father's words, can a father's presence be in their children's life? And again, if you haven't had that kind of father, that's okay, because God is here in this moment to put his hand on you. You're mine. I love you, and I'm well pleased with you. Would you just lift up your hands right now? I want to pray for you. Dear Jesus, I just cry out to you right now in this moment. Lord, I can feel, even in my heart, some of the hurt. Lord, I know that even when I tell some stories about loving my kids or about my dad who loved me, that other people, sometimes there can be that, that pang of, if I only had had that. But God, right now, I pray that your Father's heart would be clearly demonstrated. God, I pray that your, your heart of love and your heart of acceptance and affirmation, God, it would just connect Lord, that people, every person in this, this room right now, every person watching online, every person that hears these words would feel the touch of your hand on their life. That God, you don't disassociate with us, but you bring us in, bring us near because you're a great father. And Lord, I pray for healing. God, healing over every insecurity and fear and pain and wounded, wound in our lives, Lord, that you would remove those arrows and that sting and you would replace it with the knowledge that you love us, that you are pleased with us. God, that you have a purpose for us. And Lord, one more time, I pray that every heart today would hear, you are my child, who I love, whom I am well pleased. In the mighty name of Jesus.